10,000 lakes, actually 11,000 plus. But that doesn't mean there isn't good river fishing to be had, and we're going to look in depth at one of those famous Minnesota rivers. We actually share it with North Dakota and Canada. We're talking about the Red River. We'll talk channel cats and the potential for sturgeon. Nick Clute is the Minnesota DNR fishery specialist for the Red River, and he's on today's show. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. If you like big fish and good fights, you want to listen to today's show. We are headed to the far western edge of Paul Bunyan Country, traveling into the Dakotas practically as we go over to Red River. And we're talking with Nick Clute. He uh, operates out of the Detroit Lakes Area Fisheries Office, but he is the Red River Fisheries Specialist. Nick, thanks for joining us on the show today. Yeah, great to be here, Kevin. So let's uh, talk a little bit about Red River. Most of us are fairly familiar. Um, you know, it borders the uh, the Dakotas or North Dakota and Minnesota. It uh, is in the Fargo and Grand Forks area. We've seen some really nasty floods from it uh, a few times in, in my lifetime. Um, and we know it's got some catfish. That's about all I know. So just give us a rundown. Where does it start? How far into Canada does it go? What is the story of the Red River? Yeah, certainly. All right. So the Red River uh, properly these days begins in uh, Wapaton Breckenridge, where the Boyd Sioux and Otter Tail Rivers come together. Uh, it then flows along the North Dakota-Minnesota boundary uh, all the way into Canada, where uh, one of its bigger tributaries, the Assiniboine River, uh, meets it at the city of Winnipeg. And from there it goes north into Lake Winnipeg, uh, where it joins the larger uh, Nelson-Saskatchewan River Basin, uh, eventually outletting into Hudson Bay. Okay, so it's a, it's a big river. Yeah, it very much is. And along with being a big river, it also has some tremendous opportunity to catch some big fish. Uh, as you know, it's really renowned as a world-class uh, channel catfish fishery. Um, recently, when Abu Garcia was ranking the best places to fish in the United States, uh, the Red River ranked out at number four. Um, the next best place to fish in the state of Minnesota on that list would have been Mille Lacs down at number 17. So wow. it has really some tremendous trophy potential. Well, I know, uh, you know, living here in, in the Bemidji area with all of our lakes and uh, rivers here and forests and, you know, Brainerd and, 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 and this area, it always, you know, used to baffle me because I grew up in Red Lake Falls, not that far from the Red River, but I didn't know at the time that it was this great fishery. And I kept hearing of all these uh, Bemidji guys going over to fish the Red River. I'm going, why are you going over there? Well, because there's some amazing fish in there. Yeah, and, you know, I alluded to our trophy potential. It's one of the few places in North America when you go fishing for channel cats on the Red River, 
uh, you have a very good chance of hooking into a fish anywhere from 10 to 30 pounds. So that would be a 30 to 40 inch channel cat. I mean, we have some really good numbers of really nice fish. And, you know, part of that is just kind of the history of the regulation of the Red River. I mean, number one, the fishery itself is phenomenal, but then the management of it uh, has been standardized uh, since 1990, with North Dakota and Minnesota both having regulations in place uh, to help protect that really old age structure that allows those fish to get so large. And Manitoba has a similar regulation limiting harvest of those really big fish just to preserve that opportunity because it takes them so long to get that big. I mean, when we're talking a 30-inch channel cat, that's a fish that's over 20 years old. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and obviously there are plenty. Uh, I, I would assume, just from what I've heard, there's a lot of uh, pressure on, on that fishery. There's a lot of people who fish that uh, river. Yeah, um, there's a good amount of pressure uh, on the U.S. side. Uh, we have anglers who routinely travel uh, all the way from the I-29 corridor down from Omaha, Iowa, uh, who come up to fish. And then in the province of Manitoba, uh, it's one of the most popular fisheries uh, on the Canadian side. And, and anywhere in the river you'll find these big cats? You know, there's opportunity uh down in the southern reaches, kind of in the Wapaton, Breckenridge, and Fargo area, certainly there's some big fish down there. But you're going to see a lot higher numbers of, say, more your eater-sized channel cats down in that area, so those 15 to 20 inches. Um, the further north you go toward the Canadian border, uh, the higher that relative abundance of those bigger fish is going to be. So really the area from Grand Forks north, is known uh, to be a good spot if you're deliberately targeting those trophy fish. Okay. Now, i I got to be honest, I've never, you know, fished for catfish, so I don't know. It's not a special uh, license that you need or anything, is it? Nope. Uh, if you are a licensed North Dakota or Minnesota angler, uh, you can fish on the red. Um, there are some considerations you have to think about if you're a Minnesota angler who's going to launch a boat from the North Dakota side. Uh, you need one of North Dakota's uh, aquatic nuisance species stickers on your boat. Um, and then if you're going to be a shore fisherman with a Minnesota license, uh, you need to confine your fishing to the Minnesota bank of the river. Uh, if you want to fish on the North Dakota bank, you're going to need a, Minnesota, or a North Dakota license. Excuse me. So... Is there a catfish season, or is it an? Is it just go all year? Nope. Uh, the Red River is open to continuous angling, so it never has a closed season, and that's for all species on the Red River, uh, with some notable exceptions. Uh, one of those being the lake sturgeon. And that, and we're going to get into that in a second. I want to and want to get into that because it sounds like there's some cool things going on there. But uh, a little bit more with the catfish. Um, Talk to me a little bit about uh, the regulation as far as uh, keeping protecting the, the larger fish. Certainly. Uh, we have uh, a five-fish bag on the Red River uh, with one fish allowed over 24 inches. Now, that is the same as the statewide bag limit in Minnesota, uh, in addition to that one over 24. And what that allows you to do is keep a really nice meal or two worth of cats, um, 
but that one over 24, what we find is some guys will keep that fish, but a lot just won't um, because they recognize really the trophy value of that fishery. Well, I think that's that's very true. I mean, you know, you talk to musky anglers uh, and you talk to uh, even guys going after big northerns. They all understand that, and it's important to them. So it's kind of become the ethic, almost the norm for a lot of anglers to, to let those big fish go. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I would even extend that to, say, some of our uh, flathead anglers uh, in other parts of the state. Nick Clute is the fishery specialist for the Red River System. He's here today to talk about catfish. And up next, sturgeon. You love sturgeon, you might have some more options in the future. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Nick Clute is my guest today. He is the fishery specialist for the Red River System, which, of course, is famous for its very big and very aggressive channel catfish. But they're hoping they'll be really famous for something else down the road. Let's talk about the lake sturgeon. You're involved in a process of reintroducing lake sturgeon into the river. Now, have they completely gone away, or were the numbers just low? Yeah, so the history of lake sturgeon uh, in the Red River Basin um, we can actually go all the way back to the year 1800 with this. Um, That's when a gentleman made a big tour of all the Canadian fur trapping posts, and he recorded uh, the Lake Sturgeon Abundance, where they were spawning, all sorts of interesting observations as he made this tour. And then if we fast forward a little bit uh, to the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, a lot of dams were created on the Red River and its tributaries. And this was kind of a byproduct of the settlement of the area. Um, we used water power for mills. We used it for navigation. Uh, unfortunately, when we did that, um, we severed the home ranges of the lake sturgeon uh, from where they needed to be. So we impeded their ability to move about the basin and complete their life cycle. Combined with that habitat fragmentation, there also was a lot of overfishing of the lake sturgeon. Um, Commercial fishermen at the time didn't like them because they would tear up their nets, uh, but they also were used as fuel. Uh, As an oily fish, you could dry them and then burn them. Uh, So... By about the 1910s, uh, lake sturgeon were really rare, and around 1920, 1930, boy, if you caught a lake sturgeon, it was a newspaper-worthy event because they were almost functionally extirpated. Now, extirpated would just be an ecologist word for uh, a local extinction. So by about the late 30s, we would say lake sturgeon were totally gone uh, from the Red River Basin in Minnesota. Now, if we jump forward to the uh, late 90s, around 1997, that's when DNR, uh, several of the tribes in Minnesota, as well as Manitoba and North Dakota, all got together and decided, you know, we need to do something about this. And we started a reintroduction program. Uh, Our source population was the Lake Sturgeon fishery on the Rainy River. Now, because those are in the same drainage basin, they're genetically similar, so it just made sense for us to use that. And we began reintroducing them uh, first as some, oh, call it 20 to 30-inch uh, sub-adults. 
And since then, we've been stocking uh, advanced fingerlings, which are 12-inchers. Okay. So where are we at in 2021? Well, in 2021, uh, we're a good ways along. Uh, the entire Phase 1 restoration is complete, and we're starting uh, Phase 2. During Phase 1, we primarily worked on stocking area lakes. Now that we're moving into Phase 2, we're stocking area rivers. And, you know, lake sturgeon, just as a practical matter, are a really difficult fish to manage and restore because they're so long-lived. It takes roughly 15 years um, for a male to reach reproductive age. A female's going to reach reproductive age between 15 to 20 years. Now, that can be a little faster in restored populations, but by and large, it's a long time frame. Now, just in 2019, we had some really exciting news. Uh, Sampling crews on Big Pine Lake near Purim Uh, captured our first mature female, and that was a 54-inch fish, and that was really exciting for us uh, because she was the first mature female uh, that we've recorded since this whole reintroduction program began in the late 90s. When you get into your type of work, patience is beyond a virtue, it's a necessity. Yeah, especially when we're dealing uh, with that type of fish. <laughs> no doubt. Well, one of the things that uh, I got a note on was that you guys were doing what is called acoustic fish tagging. What does that mean? Yeah, so this is uh, kind of a companion to all of our habitat improvement work that's being done in the Red River. But as it applies to the lake sturgeon, uh, what we're doing is essentially trying to establish where these fish are moving and when to get insights into their habitat use, their movement timing, as well as when it would be most effective for DNR to monitor them uh, to keep tabs on this restoration process. So what we do is we install hydrophones at strategic locations around the Red River Basin. And it's just a listening post that we attached to a block of granite and affixed to the river bottom, then when a fish with a transmitter swims by, it picks up a code that that transmitter is sending out every so often and records that fish A123 just passed listening post 2. And we have uh, 251 of these uh, listening posts deployed stretching from Breckenridge all the way up through the south end of Lake Winnipeg, as well as the Assiniboine and Winnipeg rivers in Canada. Are they all in now, or are you putting them in? No, they are in and have been in for a number of years. Uh, That was, again, a collaborative project between the Canadians and some states in the U.S., And what we were doing was looking at the movements of channel catfish, of walleye, freshwater drum, um, bigmouth buffalo, all manner of things uh, to essentially really drill down on the ecology of the Red River and how our habitat projects were improving it and then other places where we could do better. So for a layman like myself, uh, what... (laughs) What have you found so far? 
Well, uh, the lake sturgeon, those will be uh, surgically implanted with those transmitters uh, this spring. Okay. So we haven't found anything with the lake sturgeon yet. That's kind of the next chapter in this uh, story. Okay. To date, though, we have discovered that our walleye population in Lake Winnipeg, which is very popular with anglers, they really don't stray into the United States. Um, about as far upstream as they go would be St. Andrew's Lock and Dam in Canada. Now, the channel catfish, they're a little different. Uh, on an annual basis, they're going to use about 38 miles of river on average um, to complete their life cycle. Okay. And then something like a bigmouth buffalo, which a lot of folks would mistake as a carp, um, it's actually our largest native uh, sucker in the state of Minnesota. Those are our current grand champions at movement. Uh, they use about 95 miles of the river, and we've seen them move up to about 320 miles. <laughs> that's, that's, that's moving. Yeah, yeah, they're another of our really unique native species. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Nick Kluke from the Detroit Lakes Area Fisheries Office, my guest. He's actually the fishery specialist for the Red River System. And it's time for the birds and the bees. When do catfish spawn? Where do they spawn? And what's their process in that uh, on a river? Okay, so channel catfish are going to end up moving um, usually in that late May, early June time frame. And that's when a lot of anglers would be targeting them uh, pre-spawn. And that water temperature, if memory serves me, uh, is in the mid-50s, edging up towards 60 degrees. Uh, Lake sturgeon are going to move right around uh, that same time period, about the mid-50 degrees. Okay. Is there a particular type of terrain in the river they want to be at when it's spawning time? Uh, as far as the channel catfish go, uh, they're going to set up um, in a lot of your woody snag type cover. Um, as far as some of our other species go, they're going to move into the tributaries up out of kind of that glacial lake Agassiz plain, the really flat portion of the Red River Basin that everyone's familiar with. And they'll move up into the tributaries kind of to the old beach ridges of Lake Agassiz. And that's where you can find some faster water, some riffle habitat. And that's where you'll find, say, your sauger, your walleye, your lake sturgeon. They'll be spawning in that habitat. Now, you had mentioned uh, that you were introducing lake sturgeon now into some lakes and other rivers. Uh, what would some of those places be? Yeah, uh, we have lake sturgeon in Ottertail Lake, as well as some of the surrounding lakes now, they've moved upstream into Big and Little Pine. Uh, we also have them in Detroit Lake, and they've moved downstream into Sally and Melissa. Uh, there's also reintroduction going on uh, within the Red Lakes uh, with the Red Lake Band, and then Round Lake and White Earth Lake uh, with the White Earth Band. And along with that, you'll also have the Ottertail River, the Buffalo River, the Red Lake River, the Roseau River, and then all of that eventually feeding into the Red River. Wow. So it's uh, you're going to kind of blanket the area. Yeah, yeah. When we say we're reintroducing them to the basin, that's kind of the vision <laughs> is 
the entirety of the basin within Minnesota. Wow, very, very exciting. I know, you know, it's just one of easily uh, among the most popular things going on up on Rainy River and on Lake of the Woods. As in, in sometimes they uh, they think it's it's even more popular than walleye fishing. So if we get good populations uh, down the road, and again we're looking at a long term project here, but if we do, um, it's just uh, it's just another exciting thing for people to fish for in our neck of the woods. Yeah, and you know, kind of. Well, I would say the grand vision is you always think of people fishing the run on the rainy. Well, if you look at the distance that we have on the Red River, my goodness, that could just be tremendous someday. (laughs) Wow. So, Nick, how did you get into this kind of work? Well, I got into this kind of work because I had a dad who took me hunting and fishing as a kid, and I had a mom who was remarkably tolerant of all the outdoor <laughs> things that got brought indoors. Uh-huh. And then uh, it kind of just snowballed from there. Uh, worked a little in North Dakota, uh, worked in South Dakota, and then came across now working in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, and these projects, I mean, uh, I remember, uh, you know, talking many times with uh, Leech Lake uh, when they were working on the uh, walleye situation and the and the cormorants and our, you know the Red Lake restoration. Um, when you're dealing with different, all these different uh, interest groups in different states, different nations, um, it uh, it needs to it needs to take some time. People need to have a vision. They need to uh, be able to sit down and talk to to even get step one out of the way. Yeah, and you know we're fortunate, especially as it relates to the uh, lake sturgeon. You know, everybody agrees this is just the right thing to do. And everybody can see the benefits to bringing back really one of the tremendous fish species of our region and providing another really unique opportunity within the context of what is already a phenomenal fishery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we talked about a lot of different species, but approximately how many species are there? moving up and down the Red uh, Red River? Well, you know, it depends on who you ask. Uh, some people would say if we detected it in the Red River Basin once, uh, we once found an American eel in the <laughs> Red River Basin. Well, I don't know that that's actually a resident there, um, but usually the number you're going to hear is about 70 to 80 species. That's quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> it really is, and what's remarkable is, you know, you always hear folks talk about, you know, man, we're facing these challenges, there's all these declines. Within the Red River Basin, we're in remarkably good shape. I mean, with the notable exception of that lake sturgeon population, we really haven't lost any species. And part of that is likely to do with the diverse habitats we have, the habitat work that's ongoing, as well as all the partners who have a stake in managing this thing successfully. Would you say the the majority of anglers are in boats, or are they on shore? You know, we see a fair split. Um, we have anglers that will travel from, say, down in that Omaha-type area all the way up here just to shore fish. Um, and then we have a large proportion of boat anglers as well. Um, what the exact percentage breakdown is, I couldn't quote that to you offhand, but uh, you do see a lot of shore angler use uh, and 
I would say, an equivalent amount of boat use. Okay. Is there a timeline in your in this process that you're going through with Lake Sturgeon? Is there a timeline when you uh, you anticipate being able to have an open season? You know, uh, there isn't, um, and part of that is just because of all the unknowns. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long-lived species. We're just starting to see the potential for natural reproduction. Um, before we were would open a season. Uh, we need to, A, get that natural reproduction in place for a number of years to establish that fishery kind of on firm footing, no longer uh, what we'll say maintenance stocking. And then after we're out of that phase, then we would need to figure out how many are out there, so a population estimate, and then establish some sideboards on what is the level of safe harvest for this uh, population. And so we've got a long way to go before we get to that point. All right. Nick, is there anything else you want to make sure we know about before we wrap it up today? You know, I don't think so, Kevin. Um, other than, you know, it's going to be another great summer out there. There's a lot of really big channel cats, and I certainly hope that if people get out there, uh, they do so in a safe manner and have a good time. Nick Clute is the Red River Fisheries Specialist giving us all the details on the Red River Basin, Channel Catfish, and, of course, uh, the reintroduction of Lake Sturgeon in that area as well. Great information, Nick. Thanks for carving some time out in your schedule and sharing with us. Yeah, great to talk to you, too. Coming up tomorrow on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, we check in with Chad Peterson. We ostensibly talked to Chad because we wanted to find out how the panfish bite was going in the Alexandria area. We ended up talking about crappies in the bayou. Nick Sakala of iCrazy Guide Service also joining us. We've got Brady Loudon from Visit Bemidji coming in later in the week to talk about the importance of fishing to the Bemidji tourism scene. And, of course, he's a guide, too, so he knows where the bite is. And we'll also talk Brainerd Lakes fishing with Garrett Hagland and Dusty Minky will join us, too. It's going to be a great week this week on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. And we always remind you, you can subscribe to the podcast so you can listen whenever it's convenient for you and oftentimes get bonus coverage. And we'll have some bonus coverage for you this week as well. Just go to Podcast One or to the Pod MN app, which will also give you access to hundreds of other Minnesota-based podcasts, too. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. As always, thank you for taking some time to join us. Fish Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today.